Welcome to Gut Wisdom, a show about work, life, and how to succeed in both. It's radio that resonates. Now, here are your hosts, Deirdre Koppelman and J.G. John Gassman. When you go into the hospital for a planned operation, like I just did a few weeks ago, J.G., or you make an unplanned trip to the ER, all I can say is be prepared. Because what I have to say tonight, having had one of the most traumatic experiences ever, okay, there's a lot to learn about what goes on behind the walls of the hospital. Mm-hmm. I'm Deirdre Koppelman. So grateful to be here with you tonight with your favorite co-host, John Gassman. Hey, hey. Hey, 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 JG. And hey, tonight hey, hey, hey. on Gut Wisdom, you're getting wisdoms on how to advocate for yourself in any situation, not just in a hospital situation, but you will definitely learn wisdoms from behind the hospital walls. Yes. I'm excited that you're back. Thank you. I missed you. You did. And our listeners missed you for a while. So, you know, it's nice to be back in studio. And we have a very exciting uh, night tonight, right? We have Sarah Merwin here. Yep. Yep. And she is one of the co-authors of a book that just was recently published called The Informed Patient, A Complete Guide to a Hospital Stay. Wish I had read that before. Yes, and we are also joined in studio with our chief marketing officer, Eric Hawkinson. Yay, Eric. Superstar extraordinaire. Hopefully he, he's probably thinking, wow, I joined this 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 gut wisdom trio group here, and uh, I don't know. Well, I'm excited to hear what you're going to share. I can't believe you're going to get so personal, pure, raw, and real Well, let me, let me put it to you this way, J.G. I left the hospital after... I don't know, six hours of surgery, six days in there, longer than I should have been and against my surgeon's recommendation. So I'll get into some of those details as soon as we come back. So stay tuned. Get the news you need whenever and wherever you need it. Follow WCBS on Twitter and like us on Facebook. You can even listen to WCBS on your phone with live streaming and audio on demand with the CBS local app. Stay connected with your favorite news radio station all day long. When you need to know, WCBS has you covered. Ah, angry and feisty, that's me. Yeah, Yeah. unlike you. (laughs) When you go into the hospital for a planned operation like I did just a few weeks ago, or unfortunately if you have to make an unplanned trip to the ER, I tell you now, be prepared. That's what I can say tonight, having had one of the most traumatic experiences I've ever had, and uh, being a hospital patient has not been... uh, wasn't my first time. So I'm Deirdre Koppelman, and you're listening to Gut Wisdom tonight with me and John Gassman, a.k.a. J.G. What's up, J.G.? So nice to have you back in the I saddle. I am so happy to be here. I'm grateful to be here. And yeah. uh, we've got a few other guests in studio with us tonight, right, J.G.? Who do we right. have? We have Sarah Merwin. She is the author of The Informed Patient, mm-hmm. as well as our very own Chief Marketing Officer of Gut Wisdom, Eric Hawkinson. Yeah, Sarah and Eric. Out. Welcome, yes, welcome. Yes. Thank you. And you're back in studio. I am. How many weeks has it been? It's almost three weeks. Wow. Why don't you fill us in on the scoop? What transpired? What what happened? Oh, well, I'll give you a little bit of a short story. So uh, listeners, I don't know if any of you are familiar with something called polycystic kidney disease. It's called PKD. Mm-hmm. Some inherited, you know, little annoyance where your kidneys just keep producing uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cysts. So anyway, I've known I've had this, you know, pretty much half my life. And I'd say over the last 15 years, I've gone in for um, surgeries, not to cure the situation, but to create a little more space in my abdominal cavity and create a little less pressure on my kidneys. And so I've had uh, one, two, three, 
four surgeries. This was just my fifth surgery in about 15 years. Wow. And so not my first time around uh, in a hospital, that's for sure. And it's not your first rodeo dealing with uh, this. Is it a disease? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's called, it's actually a disease. Most people that have it, I think half the people that have it don't even have symptoms that they have it. And, and one way for sure to know if you have it is to have an abdominal sonogram, which I did when I was like 26 years old. So it, but but the surgery that I had is very interesting. So my, the last time that I had this surgery was about, I want to say, four or five years ago. Yep. And the way it had always been is they operate on your left kidney, then three months later, they operate on your right kidney, mm-hmm. and then you're good to go, and, and you feel, yes. And what kind of a doctor does this procedure? Who, who, Typically a urologist. A urologist, okay, yeah. got yeah. it. So mm-hmm. in the past, I had, um, I had been at Cornell in the very, very beginning, four or five years ago I was at NYU, great experiences. So anyway, the, the surgeon who had operated on me- um, No names mentioned. No names mentioned about four or five years ago, you know, I had a choice. I looked him up and I said, listen, I, I think it's time for me to have this procedure again. Mm-hmm. And I found out he was no longer practicing at a New York City hospital. He was uh, in New Jersey. So I kind of had to make this decision. Well, do you go with the surgeon who's mm-hmm. operated on you twice before successfully? Yeah. But is at a hospital in a different state? Mm-hmm. Um, or do I find look to find somebody who actually does this surgery, which is kind of few and far between, and stick to sort of my home you know, territory. home territory here in New yeah. York City, one of the big hospitals. So anyway, I go and I go go and decide, makes sense to me, stick with the surgeon. Yeah. Well, whew, I have to tell you, it was the most traumatic experience I think I've had ever. Wow. Um, you know, he operated on both kidneys at once. I didn't Two know. Two kidneys at once. Right. So. Usually, I, don't they perform one? Yeah, one and, and one, do, right. and then three months later, another one. So, And I also did not know that he had never operated on two at, at the same time. So I didn't know that. So I had six hours of surgery under general anesthesia mm-hmm. in a hospital in New Jersey on a Monday. Okay? I did not see the surgeon until Wednesday. So, And maybe that was for about five minutes, and him telling me, oh, you're ready to go home. That's not normal. <laughs> Wait. Now, between Monday of the six hours of surgery yeah. and Wednesday before I actually saw my doctor, I probably saw, I don't know, 10 different people. Mm-hmm. Nurses at night, nurses during the day, mm-hmm. certain nurses, certain residents. You know, they touch your belly for two minutes, walk <laughs> out. Like, there wasn't really a lot of, um, there were a lot of people. Yes. But you couldn't really tell. Who's who? You know, I knew the woman who would come in every day at seven o'clock in the morning and take my blood. Like I I knew she was the phlebotomist and that's what she, but you didn't really know, and especially not seeing my doctor. I'm like, okay, I wasn't really thinking anything, but here's what I learned. So they never told you beforehand, this is what's going to happen. No. Here's the plan. No. And 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 shame on me. And afterwards, this is, expect this is the routine of what you're going to see within the hospital. Exactly. So I went in with previous experiences thinking this is how it used to be. I'd have this surgery, even though it was one kidney, not two. Mm -hmm. They'd put a little morphine thing next to my bed. Every 15 minutes, I could push it for pain, which gave me the ability to get up out of bed, take my pole, my IV pole, and walk around the hallways. Because the big thing in the past was always get up, you got to walk, you got to get things moving around, blah, blah, blah. So... 
right so i i went in with this knowledge that i had from previous experiences that actually had absolutely nothing to do with right. where i was modern day you know almost 3 weeks ago yeah. their their pain their attempt at pain management is if you have pain you let us know there's a huge opioid addiction uh, issue, not just in New Jersey, by the way, but I would never think that that would have anything to do with patients inside a hospital, right? So because, sure. because if you're in seething pain and you can't walk, and you can't walk because you're in seething pain and you can't take deep breaths, well, here come the complications. I started getting fluid in my lungs, then there was a thoracic guy involved because now they're worried about pneumonia because I can't walk because I'm in pain. I, there were more, and then right hand not talking to the left hand, yeah. and then little by little, Monday went into Tuesday, went into Wednesday, Thursday, mm -hmm. Friday. Yeah. By the time I saw my surgeon, I saw him for five minutes on Wednesday, the next time I saw him was on Saturday. That's already days, okay? And I said, listen, I came here because of you. Right. I chose to come here. I followed you I from, followed from you. New York. Correct, yeah. and all I know is that since I have been here, I have had one complication after another. Right. My legs were filling up with uh, with fluid. It's called edema. Uh, my lungs were filling up with fluid. My kidney function was going in the wrong direction, like towards dialysis. I was had a low-grade fever. There, I couldn't begin to tell you all these complications. And then, and then at the 11th hour after taking, I don't know how many scans, I find out on Sunday, so now it's almost a full week, he tells me, well, we're going to do a procedure today. We're going to put a stent in your kidney, and then we're going to catheterize you for about four weeks. And I'm looking at him, and I'm saying, what? Where'd, where'd this come from? What? 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 And I asked, I point blank, this is what he, I said, are you telling me that whatever scans you did yesterday and all these complications that I'm having, that that whatever it is that you're telling me you want to do this procedure that you can't do anyway because you're going to a wedding today and your resident is going to do it, um, that this is going, are you sure this is a problem that I have, number one? Mm -hmm. And is what you're suggesting really going to solve my problem? He said, well, I can't be sure that it's actually what the problem is, but this is what I'm recommending. This is now Sunday. It's almost seven days. It's almost a week. And I, have, and I have complications left and right. And I looked at him. I don't know where I got the strength to do it or the nerve, but I basically said, you know what, doctor? Help me understand. I didn't even say help me understand. <laughs> I said, I hired you to do something. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, you did it. You, you did what you were hired to do, period. Now I've got all these complications. Anything else that has to be done, I'm not hiring you to do it, right. nor am I having it done here in this hospital. Sure. So I, get me out. And I left with, and against his wishes, and yeah. I left with complications. Can you, can you imagine, though, that you know, the, the scarier part of it is, is that you've been through this similarly. Can you imagine if this was your first, where you would just take the assumptions totally. and accept and embrace the fact that this is the way it's supposed to be? I think that's be. what most people yeah. do, and that's how, why... How many, how many people in this situation ask for a second opinion, have even the fourth foot? They, they believe yeah. their doctor. Go ahead, Sarah. I'm so sorry. Sarah, Sarah wrote, I'm sorry, Sarah, who's with us, Sarah, Sarah Merwin, Merwin, wrote The Informed Patient. She's a co-author. And, and the timing couldn't have been any better. Only I wish I had read this book, because Before. I Thought I, I thought I was an informed patient. Go ahead. What do you what I'm are you so thinking? I'm so sorry you had this experience, but maybe it will be the platform from which you can help other people by publicizing the kinds of struggles you went through. And I wish I could say that your experience was uncommon or unusual, but you pretty much hit 
every pitfall of the hospital experience. This right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing is mm-hmm. so common. And um, medical errors are a huge problem in mm-hmm. today's um, hospital environment. Mm-hmm. So um, so I'm not alone. You are so not alone. You are so not so alone. So was I just lucky in the past? I think you were lucky. I think um, medical care is getting ever more complex. Mm-hmm. And that's why we believe that not only do patients have to advocate for themselves or designate someone to advocate for themselves, but they have to be a full partner in all medical um, decisions. decisions. How do you do that? Well, you read, you ask questions, you speak up for yourself, you ask who's doing what, who who is the professional or staff person taking care right. of and everyone? You, and, and there's a fine line also because listeners, my sister Robin Firestone, and I hope she's listening to this show, God bless came up woman. from South Carolina to be with me before that surgery, during that surgery, every day that I was in that hospital, every day after that that I had to go. She was my biggest advocate, and I have to tell you, there's a fine line because, you know, some of the nurses would even say, oh, you know, she's like Nurse Ratched. Like, she, my sister wanted to know absolutely everything that was going on, which can be annoying to people. We call it well-mannered advocacy. (laughs) So you don't want to be too aggressive. Right. But you can't hold back. You must ask these questions, and you must question every procedure, ask whether it's necessary, whether there's a less invasive way to do it, who's doing it. And why they're doing it. Well, isn't, I mean, you know, even my mother has always said the level of care you get is really based on the amount of questions you ask. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. But you also brought up a good point before, Eric. We have been trained, and I don't know if it's this generation or what, but, or even the older generation, that the doctors, the medical, people in the medical profession are smarter. They know more. That's why they're there. The doctors are always right. You don't question. You don't question. You don't question authority. And how how many of us know? I know family members. Oh, the doctor said this. The doctor said this. We must all know people. Listeners, we must all know people. And and I'm here to tell you, and Sarah is here to tell you, be informed. You can't just be this passive patient. I know. I did have one doctor that I thought was very enlightening. He was a hematologist, and he told me, he goes, look at an apple. He mm. goes, you see the smallest part of the apple? That is every, you know, that's everything that you know about health. That's everything you know about the medical, about the body. He goes, mm-hmm. take a little tiny piece of bite out of that apple. Mm-hmm. That's what I know. Mm-hmm. Everything else is, un- is still unknown. It's yeah. like, so wow. even though I've had 10 years more experience and, and all that education, still do not have... Not all doctors think that way. And this is something that is so common as we brought up. So let me mention, listeners, very important. I want you to stay tuned to the show and come back because you're going to find out how to win a free gut wisdom copy of Sarah's book, The Informed Patient. And that will give you the insights about how to ask the right questions to protect yourself in the hospital and to get better care. Also, if you haven't if you've had an experience, share it with us. Write to Deirdre at dkgutwisdom.com. We could learn wisdoms from everything you have, and we will share those with others. Definitely. And coming up next, uh, we've got tips, tricks, tools, and resources from Sarah Merwin on the emergency room experience because the inside scoop on the ER is a little bit different than when you are planning to go into the hospital. And Sarah's coming back with us, so stay tuned. 
Introducing Play.it, a podcast network like no other. At Play.it, you can hear your favorite WCBS features on demand. In the WCBS Eye on Politics. I'm Pat Farnack with the WCBS Health and Wellbeing Report. I'm Steve Greenberg talking about your next job. Hear those and more from WCBS when you need it. Plus, great content from other CBS stations. For the best in news, sports, business, and tips for your lifestyle, go to Play.it today. Becoming an active participant in your own healthcare story is key. It's a total mistake to blindly accept treatment and procedures just because the doctor said so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm Deirdre Koppelman here with your Gut Wisdom co-host, John Gassman, a.k.a. JG. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. And if you're just tuning in Saturday night, we are getting to the root of being your own advocate in a, me- in a medical setting and even outside of a medical setting. In but joining setting. us tonight, yeah. in any setting, joining us tonight is Sarah Merwin. She's the co author of The Informed Patient, and we'll bring Sarah on in a second. She'll tell us about her co author as well, Dr. Karen Friedman. And we've got our own Gut Wisdom CMO, Eric Hawkinson, in the studio with us tonight talking about advocacy and wisdoms and such. So, JG, why don't you bring up Sarah? Let's talk about her book, The Informed Patient. So, Sarah, your book really uh, eliminates the mystery and the confusion of the entire hospital experience. But what about when we aren't planning to visit the hospital? You know, we're rushing to the ER, to the emergency room, and we find ourselves having to go through this traumatic experience of not knowing what's going to happen. What wisdoms can you share with us? Well, I'm going to share some wisdom also channeled through my very talented uh, co-author, Karen Friedman, Mm. who is a hospitalist. She's a physician trained in internal medicine who exclusively works in the hospital. And this is somewhat of a new profession. Um, Internal medicine now, primary care has become divided between the outpatient world and the hospital world. Mm -hmm. So uh, Karen and I, uh, put together this book based on our in-the-hospital experience to try to make it more understandable, less mystifying and confusing for patients yeah. having to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Now, in the emergency room, um, the main thing to understand is that you need to have patience, not be a patient, but also <laughs> to be patient, because patients are seen in not in the order. It's not first come, first serve. You don't get to see the doctor or the nurse just because you got there first. It's who is the sickest. So mm-hmm. there is this... Pecking tra- water. There, there's a trained individual called the triage nurse who assesses, and assess ah. is a very big word in, in the hospital setting, who assesses how sick you are and how quickly you need to be seen, taking vital signs, listening to the heart. Asking to, if you have your insurance card with well, you. Well, that's registration. Have you been a before? Are you allergic to something? <laughs> yes, all yeah. those things happen. But the first order of business is seeing how sick you are. If okay. you're not very sick, back out to the waiting room you go. Mm. Then you do all the insurance and registration processes. Okay. But if you are deemed to be sick, you will be seen right away. Um, and that order shifts as... The time goes on. If you get there and someone comes in via an ambulance or trauma, they're going to get seen more quickly than you are. And that is the reality. Um, So having patience, wisdom number one, if you're going to the ER. And understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And and be empathic towards the other people Mm. around you. Because if it was your loved one who came in in critical condition, you would want them to be seen if you're in for something. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. In, In it. 
if you end up in a teaching hospital, there's going to be so many people who are asking you the same questions. And particularly if you're not feeling well, this can be annoying and <laughs> disturbing. But uh, these individuals are all learning, and they need to take in the information that you give in in their separate compartments. Mm-hmm. Um One of the key things you might do before going to the hospital is grab your medications if you don't have them on a list in in your wallet, because that is the key to helping the medical providers understand your history. It's so important. I would urge everyone to put together a list of their medications. It tells, it starts to tell the story. Hmm. Uh, Patients... um, should always have someone with them who can help advocate for them, another set of eyes. Even in the emergency room. Especially in the emergency room. It is one of the most confusing places in the entire hospital. It's chaotic. It can be noisy. It can be disturbing and scary. Mm. So I would urge everyone to, to grab someone who they trust to bring along with them and ask questions. Who are you? Why are you taking care of me? Why are you doing this test? What is your profession? What is your role? Have you washed your hands? Have you washed your hands? Have you washed your hands? I like that one. question. Have you ever been to the ER? I was just there over the summer. Oh, I didn't tell you? I got hit by a deer coming (gasps) home. You got hit by a deer or you hit a deer? No, it hit me. That's for sure. Okay. I was on a dark road in the Hamptons, and I got hit. And uh, I didn't realize he drove. I remember and I that call, story. And I called nine one one because the car became disabled, right. and they came. And the guy said, "Can you get out of the car?" I said, "Yeah, of course I can get out of the car." As soon as I got out of the car, I almost fell over. Wow! I was so, I, the th- the impact from it was crazy. So what they put was me in your, a neck brace. What was your emergency room experience? I don't want it. It, it wasn't as traumatic as yours, but it was not fun. Well, mine wasn't an emergency room. No. Mine was six hours of surgery, wrong place, wrong time, wrong too many people, too many hands in the pot. You know, I came in on a stretcher. They wheeled me right in. I bypassed everything, every system, and boom, I went into a room, and quickly somebody came over and said, are you okay? Can you see? What's your name? What's your date of birth? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what happened? Uh, they must have asked me the same question right. probably about 10 times. Interesting. You know, I had to repeat that whole Scenario probably five or six times. Eric, have you ever been in the emergency? Um, I mean, sadly, I've been in the ER as the support, as the loved one. You know, yeah. my my wife had a seizure, and um, she called me from ER, and I had to drive um, to see her. And I walk in, and there's strangers around her, and they all disappear. And and you know, one of the key things is 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 you don't really expect to you know you want to be there to support. You want to say, "How are you? How are you?" I'm, you're talking to your loved one. But you don't always think about the fact it's almost like, well, I don't need life insurance. I'm not going to die, right? right? Well, I don't need to understand the ER procedures. I'm never going to be there unless a deer hits me. Right. So when you're there for a loved one, you're there for support and you're there. Maybe you have a list of medications. Maybe you have that. But, you know, I mean, I'd love to know is, you know, what what do you do as the loved one who involved? What do you ask and what don't you ask? Maybe what, you know, what are some of the things that you do in that area? Well, you make sure that um, that your loved one is not suffering too much pain. And if that means if you have to go to the nursing desk and Mm. ask for pain medications, you do that. You keep a vigil on your loved one, and if you notice their symptoms are changing and getting worse, you get help immediately. You do not hesitate. That is the one exception to um, what we talk about. We talk about well-mannered advocacy. If there's a decline in your loved one's condition, you must act right away. Yeah. Hmm. 
It was an experience. Yeah. And I wouldn't want others to go through it. I remember being left alone in the room. They close the curtain and I'm left in the room. Yeah. And I mean, the like, fact when am I going to see anybody again? You know, anybody who has to unfortunately go to the emergency room or accompany somebody or meet somebody, God forbid, there. Ugh. It's a uh, it is it is just such a vulnerable place to be. So scary. Yeah. And even if the pecking order is, you know, you're not being attended to, let's say, because maybe there are people who are, you know, uh, have more trauma or need attention sooner than you do. There's something. Look, hospitals are scary places. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful when you're feeling good. And all of a sudden when you've got issues and you've got it again, like my situation, it was planned or you find yourself in an unplanned emergency room situation. There is fear. There's vulnerability. Um, you almost become, um, uh, I would say, you, you may even lose you know, your competence factor in your mind right because you begin to feel and and you're relying on these other people you're relying on the ER room uh the ER medicine people you're relying on the nurses you're relying on the triage woman you're relying on all these people that you've never seen you're first meeting them in a hospital gown quite frankly that's right? so correct and and that feeling of vulnerability immediately just that that level of fear and anxiety and I'm wondering specific to the emergency room I don't know about what my rights were or are as a hospital patient and I'm just happy in my own situation that I'm here you mean you didn't get the they didn't hand you the patient bill of rights you know what they may, you know what you go into they the may ER? have and I bet you they may have but I don't <laughs> I, I'm sure they gave me some stuff and I probably I could, had to sign my life away but the point is JG is that and listeners you know, I my situation was very obviously personal to me, and I feel like I a I, I am an, an educated person, very and much. if it happened to me, it can certainly happen to anybody. But the emergency room situation, so I think there are rights as a patient for sure. sure but I'm yes. wondering, Sarah, are there specific rights that patients have? In the emergency room, and there, what and what are they? Yes, they there are. There are quite a few rights, and they're usually posted, as JG mentioned, for everyone to read. Uh, all patients have the right to understand what's happening to them, even if that means bringing in an interpreter or a translator. Mm -hmm. Patients have the right not to be discriminated against. Patients have, based on race, creed, ethnicity, um, patients have the right to receive treatment and emergency care, and they also have the right to refuse treatment. Mm. There's a whole list of rights that patients can usually see posted when they they uh, go into the emergency room. And that's why it's so important, it's so vital, you know, because I remember when I got into the accident, you know, I think it was Samara, my daughter, who said, do you want me to go with you? And I said, nah, you, know, you don't have to go with me, I'm fine. And then I realized I wasn't, and you know what? I can honestly tell you, I wasn't completely coherent mm, listening right. to everything the doctor said. Exactly. And if it wasn't for my advocate, you know, Eric, as you were talking about, I don't remember what they said. I, I, I walked out with stuff. They told me, do this, do that. I really don't remember because well, of the shock and mm -hmm, the trauma mm -hmm. of going through the ER and let alone being, you know, here. Do you want to read your rights as a patient? I'm not going to read my rights. I wasn't there. I wasn't Just, present. <laughs> and that the term vulnerability really applies. Yeah. In fact, uh, not to re-traumatize you, the word I <laughs> the expression I use is deer in the headlights. And I've yeah. seen very, <laughs> very competent people yeah. just completely fall apart. There's also a loss of dignity. Think about wearing a hospital totally. gown. Mm -hmm. Think about needing to toilet or any other 
of our human processes out in the open with you know everyone uh, viewing. So there is this. This. I forgot all about that. You just brought that back. You know what? <laughs> maybe. I traumatized everyone. Uh, you know what? Maybe, maybe when people enter a hospital, that book, right, all about patient care yes. should be provided to everybody when they enter. Would a hospital do that? I don't know. Well, uh, how do we find your book, number one, The Informed Patient, which yeah. is a complete guide to a hospital stay written by Sarah Merwin, who's here with us, and her co-author, Dr. Karen Friedman. How do we, how do we get that book? Well, you can find the book on Amazon. Mm -hmm. You can Mm. see our presence on social media now. Great. And uh, everyone should have access to this book. And it is our hope that this book will become a a tool for nurses and physicians to use. Mm -hmm. Deirdre, can we give away a book or two? Well, here's what I'm thinking. Uh, First of all, our listeners can stay tuned. I think we can figure out a way where our listeners can win a free gut wisdom copy of Sarah's book, The Informed Patient. Love it. Um, yeah. How many do we want to give away, Sarah? How about five? Okay. Look at that. Well, a you guys hand. are always giving away a lot. I give away two or three. Yeah. <laughs> nice. you, know, you know, it's a... Um, but this is important. It you is know, important. And, then, and what's fascinating is, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, I am not over the experience. I am not over the fact that I left a hospital with complications, with my surgeon saying that he, you know, was getting ready to have his resident or whatever, you know, do some procedure that was going to be really even more invasive after six hours of something. Like, I left, I have to tell you, I I was really crying. It was really terrible. Now, are you are you more skeptical or more prepared next time you go in? You know, yeah, it's such a, a good question, question, Eric. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say I'm more skeptical. Yeah, I I thought, and listeners who've been listening to Gut Wisdom on the dial for a while, you know, I'm an optimist, and I sort of looked at this upcoming surgery as a. I knew I knew I knew I needed to have it. I've had it in the past. I know it works for me. Um, I, I try to minimize the the fear in my own head and say, you've been there, you've done this, you've done this well four times before. Um, you know the surgeon, you know what to expect. Um, it's laparoscopic, so it's quote non-invasive, even though you're talking about kidneys and whatnot. So I kind of, it was an, it was on my to-do list. It was like, I'm going in, I'm having my surgery. Check it I'll off the check list. Check it off the list. Yeah. I'll, I'll be out of change. the hospital in like three three days, pretty right. much, max. And back to work. And back to work and everything flight. is hunky-dory. So I, would, I don't think I was cavalier about it, but I will say going forward, there is no question about it. I have lost uh, trust. I, I am definitely more cynical. Yeah. Yeah, a lot changing. of a lot of lessons to be learned. Yeah, so from this, and and it and it's not just about it, in the medical community or in a medical situation, it's life. right? It's life in you general. Know, it, well, being your own advocate, speaking up, speaking up for asking yourself, asking questions, understanding what is going on around you, participating in the things that you want, and not just standing there. And those are some of the things we're going to talk about. And with. trusting your gut, and trusting your gut. Okay, that and much more coming up. Stay tuned. When you're on the train, it doesn't mean you're out of touch. Listen to WCBS on your phone or tablet. We're streaming live 24-7 with the news you need to know. Go to radio.com or cbsnewyork.com and you'll stay informed on your way to and from the office with WCBS News Radio 880. 
Tonight on Gut Wisdom, we have been chatting with Sarah Merwin, the co-author of The Informed Patient, a complete guide to your hospital stay. Whether it's planned or not, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, we all need to be aware of what's going to go on when you enter that place. Yes. I'm John Gassman, a.k.a. JG, with your favorite host who's back after a little bit of a three-week hiatus, Deirdre Koppelman. Yes, Great back, to have JG. You back. Thank you. It's been lonely at the top here, you know? <laughs> Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. But listen, we've learned a lot about your experience and your ordeal, I would call it. Yeah, traumatic. And this is something, you know, you've been through in the past and you had expectations that this is going to be a a cakewalk. Totally. And unfortunately, you know, that's not what transpired. And you ended up leaving the hospital against the doctor's wishes. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of nerve, but I have to tell you that, uh, and by the way, listeners, we are not suggesting that you don't listen to medical advice that's given to you in or out of the hospital. No, but get a second opinion. we, We are saying, however, yes, get a second opinion, but we are saying that you have to be part of your medical process. You must always, no matter what the situation is, follow your gut, ask questions, be prepared, participate in your solutions, be your own advocate no matter what. So yes, I left the hospital after Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it was seven days. And and I left with complications and I left knowing that my surgeon was recommending yet another procedure that he would not be doing because he had a wedding to go to that he wasn't 100% sure was actually going to solve any one of the compli- many complications that I had had from the surgery. And I basically took it upon myself and said, listen, you know what? I hired you to do something. You did it, right? As far as I'm concerned, anything after this, I'm not hiring you again. And this is literally, I had to break it down. And, and nor am I having it done in this hospital because the right hand does not speak to the left hand here. People, I never saw anything like it in my life. And I took, I took my own fate in my hands and, and I felt More it was what I needed to do. I needed yeah. to get out of there. I needed to get home. I needed to see um, my own doctor, not a surgeon who could start following me and let me try to focus on what I could heal, what was broken, what really wasn't, and be with somebody who I trusted and be in a place yeah. that I that I trusted and, and take it from there. So I made that decision. I have to tell you, I'm grateful that I did. It took me another week, let's say, to work through the various complications, but guess what? That procedure that he recommended to me, a stent in my kidney and to, uh, be, and to be catheterized for four weeks. Happening. Well, guess what? It not only was it not happening, it didn't happen. I didn't need it to happen and, and I'm fine. Yeah, but you know what? You're an intelligent person. You're yeah. smart. Well, thank you. You read, you analyze, you do a lot of research before anything goes on. How many people don't? Well, I think you know, the I think the problem is, and I'm guilty of it, whether smart or not smart, and we're all smart, you know. I think I probably took a little too much for granted because I had been down that road before. Yes. I had had the surgery before. This was the fifth time I was yes. going under the knife, right? And I think when when look at our friends, JG, who have never had hospital experiences, who are afraid, they're in their 50s, they've never had to go to the hospital. And I understand that fear, but I didn't have that fear. And they're smart too. It's, It's based on your experience level. But even when you've had the experiences, all I'm saying is you must be a part of the process. You have to ask the questions. You have to understand what is happening to you and why. You have to know who's there in this hospital world with you while you're in a gown, you know, praying for somebody to come by and like feed you some clear broth. I mean, 
It's a horrible experience. It, it really is. But generally in life, we have to be our own advocates. Nothing 100%. is going to happen for 100%. us, whether it's getting a job, yeah. getting a promotion, you know, or fighting with the IRS because they put a lien or a levy on your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to be your own advocate. Yeah, and that takes you courage. You must speak up. It takes courage. And yeah. I would say, uh, above and beyond be becoming being an advocate uh, for yourself or someone, is this idea of taking responsibility for your medical care. You are not giving away the responsibility to your healthcare providers, That's such doctors, a great and wisdom. nurses. And in medicine, we call this shared decision making. Mm-hmm. So every procedure or test that is offered to you in the hospital, whether it's in the emergency room yes. or beyond, is something that you should ask about and make sure that it is the right procedure for you, expense-wise, invasive-wise. And what about reading your own medical file, asking the doctors for copies of your medical (laughs) file to go through? Because I've had it where people have applied for life insurance, and they didn't know they had a disease or an ailment that's going to limit their ability to secure a policy at a reasonable amount because the doctor put something in there. Increasingly, there is more transparency in healthcare, and that's a good thing. Well, doctors what you are can not keen, do, but doctors are not keen about giving you your records. Sometimes. Well, guess what? But here's what you can do, and I just did this this past week. So when I what left the hospital yeah. on my own volition, I want to make mention that I never had heard from the surgeon that whole second week. Wow! At all. As a matter of fact, I didn't even hear from him into the next week until I reached out by email to his assistant and I copied him. And I asked for the operative report. First of all, that's incredible that they actually use email. Yeah. Because a lot of doctors don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I find that my doctors do. But once I wrote his assistant and copied him and said, hi, I hope all is well. I'd like a copy of the operative report, which is basically everything that happened in that operation. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is the only time that I got a response back from the surgeon. Wow. Never. And he's running scared now. <laughs> okay. And his response was, oh, hi, sure, no problem. Hope everything is well. How's your creatinine? Um, something, something else. Yeah. What does that tell you when you don't hear from a surgeon? And now when you're asking, for, so you can ask. You should ask. You should ask for your operative report and your medical records. You deserve to have those and know what was done and what wasn't. That's yeah. your information. And, and that's, a, that's a rule in life, not even just for the... Hundred percent. Yeah. You know, is that you know, rethink, make sure you are being an advocate for yourself in everyday things, not yes. just in the healthcare. You know, you're doing it for your family. You're doing it as a support. But whether you are talking to your boss and your peers, or whether you're trying to buy a car or life, you have to stand up for yourself, and you have to be prepared ahead of time. For Were those you always things. your own advocate, Eric? No, I think I've learned to be more of an advocate because you get burned. You know, not hopefully not burned like you were in the healthcare, but there's times where I realize, why didn't I take another step? You know, why didn't I speak um, up? Speak up, mm. but also take assertiveness. I mean, and one thing that keeps going back to me regarding being on the support side is, let's say you're you feel like you're in this cattle call in the emergency room and you're not as sick as the other people in front of you. Selfishly, you do want to take the initiative, not because you want them to think you're loved one or somebody is more sick but if you don't you're falling back with all the people who are equal with you right yeah so you know yeah. you do want to step up you do want to make sure you walk up there and you ask the right questions and you want to make sure just like anything else just like in a job interview just like anywhere else 
make sure they know who you are, that you are not a number, that you are a name, and that you're a person. And, and you know what? The- People have difficulty asking. You know, they don't want to seem like they're bothering. Oh, I can wait. It's like, I hate to use this uh, thought, but, you know, you go to the restaurant, you don't like the dish, but you still eat it. Yeah. I won't return right. it. I don't want right. to I don't want to bother it's anybody. When, when Harry met Sally, feelings. I want the salad. I want the dressing on the side. Right. I want, exactly. yeah. right. But here's the difference. But when you, you go to an ER, it's not something you're this expecting. This is life and death you're But there are about. so many things that we do in life that we take a step back because we go, well, that's the way my parents did it. That's the way I saw right. it being done. Oh. But we take these lessons that we learn from Sarah's book and from our everyday, and we put them towards how can we do this to make sure we're getting the most out of our life, whatever. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I've been my own advocate, you know, forever, not just That's in the great. medical. You know, I remember I once told the story. I was working when I was in college and, uh, you know, I was a part-timer making, I think, $6.50 an hour. That's how long ago Ooh, that was, listeners. <laughs> and I remember it was midterms and I came in and, you know, the vice president said, oh, okay, sit at that desk. Um, so-and-so isn't in, you know, so sit in the shipping desk or whatever. And I, I had no idea about what the job actually was. And I said, well, can you tell me what it is that you want me to do? And she said, no, just sit there and wait for the phone to ring. I was 20 years old, <laughs> literally annoyed that I was making $6 an hour. I could have been studying. And when the owner of the company did his rounds, like he used to walk around at like a quarter to five at night to see who was working, who was putting their sneakers on, who was getting ready to go. And he looked at me and he was like, hey, you, what do you think you're doing? Because I was reading a magazine. And I said, I'm reading a magazine, waiting for the phone to ring. He was like, what? I said, well, you know, I wanted to know what this job is, but nobody wanted to tell me what to do. Like even then, and maybe some people would have called me a wise, you know what? (laughs) <laughs> but I just felt like I had to stick up and speak up yeah. and, and find your voice as soon as you can. Use it nicely. Of course. Right? Don't insult people. Don't be nasty. But find your voice. What's and the use worst it. thing that can happen if you ask? They exactly. say no. Exactly. And you can still keep trying. So, Smart. So yep. knowing, knowing what we all know today about the importance of being your own advocate, let's just quickly do a round. What's one piece of advice, one wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners tonight so that they too can be more comfortable with self-advocacy. One wisdom. Sarah. Knowledge is power. Learn everything you can to make yourself better informed so you can be a better advocate for yourself or your loved one. Love it. Eric. I think you, you have to ask questions even if you don't have the confidence is act like you've been there before. Act like you know what's going on so they have they have a better understanding of the fact is this person is serious about what this is and that they, they you know, they can't just, um, they're just not going to be passive with them. Mm-hmm. JJ? You know, I always go back to trusting your gut. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Ronald Reagan who once said, uh, trust but verify. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you know what you're getting into. Ask those questions. Trust the doctor, but ask. Mm-hmm. Ask. Follow up. You have to take control of your life and make the decisions. You're accountable to yourself. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. Those are great wisdoms. And I think my wisdom would be, you know, knowing what I know today, and it's sort of the same advice that I've followed for myself forever. forever. Um, use your voice. Don't be afraid to ask a question. Don't be afraid to come across as not knowing everything. Yeah. Um, you count. You matter. So do you, you know, your ideas and your thoughts and your questions, all of that is important to who we are as people and we deserve 
and and this is really the wisdom we deserve to be heard and heard in a nice way and treating others with respect of course but in in self-advocacy whether it's a medical situation whether you're in your job whether you're in a relationship where you feel like it's not working out well you must speak up for yourself you must find your inner voice and feel comfortable to ask for the things that you don't understand ask for what you need ask for what you want nicely and that would be my wisdom i think and the one thing is even if you don't feel the confidence to have that self-advocacy you do feel comfortable asking someone who you know could help you. That's a good one, too. And I think that's the point. Is that that's You huge. might not be as assertive as you. They might yeah. not be as knowledgeable as Sarah in some things. Yeah. But there are someone in your life that might be able to do that for you as that's well. That's a good point. And I find that with my father, who was such a gentleman. He's 89 years old. And he is God not. A, he trusts the doctor. and he, But he, he will say, my daughter will take care of it. So... And that's you do, a, but go ahead, JJ. That's a big one. Well, listen, so, what yeah. a, what huge topic for the night. Great guidelines, great wisdoms. Listeners, listen up. If you want a copy and a, a, an opportunity to get a free copy of the Gut Wisdom uh, book, Sarah's book, that is, The Informed Patient, please email Deirdre at dkgutwisdom.com. And uh, we're giving away free five copies. We're giving away five copies, so email me, but not while you're driving. want to give a big thank you to Sarah Merwin, to our Gut Wisdom Chief Marketing Officer, Eric Hawkinson, for being here with us tonight. Listeners, thank you for your Gut Wisdom loyalty. To our partners at WCBS Radio, thank you for all of your hard work and support of Gut Wisdom. And if you've missed tonight's show, any part of it, or other previously aired Gut Wisdom shows, go to Gut Wisdom. G-U-T-W-I-Z-D-O-M.com. And you'll find us also on iTunes and Play.it. So until we're back next week, have an amazing Gut Wisdom Saturday night. You've been listening to Gut Wisdom on WCBS News Radio 880. Gut Wisdom comes your way every Saturday night at 7 p.m. on WCBS 880 or anytime at gutwisdom.com. That's wisdom spelled with a Z.